Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com/weightloss. That's PlushCare.com/weightloss. PlushCare.com/weightloss. Hello, I'm Gary Mansfield. And welcome to the Mizog Art Podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by banging these bongos. Yeah, right. Crazy. Hello and welcome to episode number 27 of the Mizog Art Podcast. This week is a very special episode as far as I'm concerned. It's figurative painter Ray Richardson. Ray comes from Woolwich in South East London, a fact that was crucial to me believing that I could actually become an artist. As I've said on here many times before, art took a hold of me when I was in prison. And as much as I'd stumbled across something that I was good at, and I already knew had started to take over my life, But at that point, the thing that was holding me back was that artists weren't people like me. You've got to bear in mind that at this point, although I was 28 years of age, I'd never even been into an art gallery, let alone met an artist. So I had it in my head that no matter how much work I'd put in, how good an artist I would become, I was just convinced it'd be a club I wouldn't be able to get into. One morning, our tutor Douglas brings in a TV and video and tells us he's going to show us a programme that he'd been recording off the telly called Oil on Canvas. It looked at all the different elements of painting. In the morning, we was going to watch the programme that focused on perspective. In the afternoon, composition. So he played us the first programme, which focused on perspective, which was Patrick Hughes. As the camera moved round to the right, Patrick's paintings moved round to the left. I'd never seen anything like it. I automatically fell in love with Patrick Hughes' reverse perspectives. And when Patrick started talking, he just underlined what I always thought of artists. He was a lovely, middle-class man with a beautiful vocabulary. So, on to the afternoon session, we watched the programme to do with composition. It was an artist called Ray Richardson. The programme opened with this young, fresh-faced artist working away on his canvas. They showed some previous paintings... They ticked all the boxes straight away. 
and then Ray started talking to the camera about his artwork. He may just as well have leant through the TV screen and slapped me round the face. He spoke just like I did. He come from a background just like mine. He was a Londoner. The old sort, you know, a cockney. It was one of those moments when you realise that your preconceived ideas weren't worth a carrot. Totally wrong. People like me could be part of the art world. Alright, it did help that he was extremely talented. But even so, there's proof on the telly that I'm totally wrong. So at the end of that programme, Oil on Canvas, I took a little note of the production company. So I can't remember how, but I got the production company's address. I wrote a letter to both Ray and Patrick, telling them that I was in prison, I'd just discovered art, I'd fallen in love with it, but I need help. The library had books that weren't relevant to me at this point. So I asked them if they'd be able to send me any information on them and their career. I knew it was a long shot, but it happened previously when I'd written to Dougie Fields. And lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, I get a parcel in the post from both Patrick and Ray. Between them, there was a couple of books, press packs, catalogues, but more important, acceptance. They had no idea who this prisoner was writing to them. But art was the common thread between all three of us. Now, Ray and Patrick, along with Dougie Fields, are not only the foundations of me becoming an artist, but they were absolutely fundamental in me wanting to change myself as a person, leave my old life of crime behind. And not only did they inspire and encourage me in them early days, they kept in contact through the rest of my sentence, and I'm still friends with the pair of them to this day. Even now, all of these years later, When I come up with an idea that sort of takes me outside of my comfort zone, the first person I always talk to is Lee Ainsworth, but the second person I run it past is Ray Richardson. Now this would be hard to say to Ray's face. It's making me cringe a little bit saying it knowing that he's going to listen. But when I have one of those moments of self-doubt, like we all have, I just close my eyes, take myself back into prison on the morning that I first heard Ray's voice. That sort of gives me an automatic timeline of where I am now and where I've come from. Now getting on to Ray's style of painting. I see Ray as an unapologetic painter. You have to enter the world of Ray Richardson. His canvases are reminiscent of a frame of camera film where most artists would compile their composition to try and get everything within the frame. Ray just uses his canvas to capture a moment. He'll have a figure coming in, or even leaving the frame. It makes the viewer not only admire what's in front of them, but it makes them want to know what's going on round the corner. He literally makes us want more. And this filmic approach has led to two really good cinematic quotes from art critics. One, he was referred to as the Martin Scorsese of figurative painting, and the other was the David Lynch of canvas and paint. Not a bad couple of tags to drag around with you through the art world. A lot of Ray's work features an English Bull Terrier. And more recently, his own English Bull Terrier, Brian. This podcast was recorded in Ray's studio, and you'll hear, occasionally, Brian pottering about in the background. At one point, you'll hear us laughing at Brian as he gets up off his bed and takes up a weird pose on the stairs. Now, on a day-to-day basis, both mine and Ray's vocabulary include quite a lot of swearing. So, not only should this episode come with a parental warning, I think we may well both be on the brinks of Tourette's Syndrome. Now, the last two or three minutes of this podcast took a twist that neither Ray or me was expecting. 
but I'll let you find out for yourself. So come and join me in the studio of Ray Richardson. I'm going to go into the first question of seven, which is, how would you explain what you do to someone who doesn't know your work? Well, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm a painter. I've kind of got a narrative running through it. But within that, within the narratives, there's a, there's a kind of element of the real world. I don't know, there's a, there's a book that I read by David Mamet called Figments of the Real World or something like that. And I think that that's kind of what I do with my work. It's a kind of combination of like taking from the real world, taking from my own experience and chucking it in with things that I kind of read or things that are going on around us in the world sort of thing and trying to make sense of it all, mm. if that makes any fucking sense, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you're, you're well known for English Bull Terrier. Mm. Would you say that the Bull Terrier was a metaphor for yourself in a lot of these paintings rather than putting a self-portrait in there? Yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> That's, no, that, that, that is it. Yeah, I mean, I think it, that went way back because I did... When I was uh, younger, I did a lot of self-portraits. Like, I'm talking about well younger sort of thing. I did a lot of self-portraits. If you're talking about likeness, and some are more successful than others, yeah. sort of thing. Um, and then I don't know. I don't know what it was. I just uh, I don't know. I saw something about bull terrier, English bull terriers that sort of yeah. I don't know. They reminded me of me a bit. Yeah. Um, no, but it's always been quite well known in South East London anyway, haven't Yeah, you? well I knew some people that had them and then they used to bring them to my studios. They'd sit there and they'd, they'd just want to sit and hang out in yeah. the studio for the afternoon and then the dogs, I'd do some drawings of the dogs while I, while I were there. But yeah, I mean it's it's funny because I, I think I've said this before, like that I am the, I'm the, I'm the human version yeah. of an English bull terrier, so... As a metaphor, it, it is a self-portrait quite often. Yeah, as I say, I've always thought that. Um, or, you know, over the last, I don't know how many years, I mean, fucking old, how long we known each other now? Getting on to 20 odd or something. It is 20 odd years. Mm. So, should add that the way I got to know you was I saw a pro. Can you remember? Oh, we spoke about this dozens of times. What was the name of that program? Oil on Canvas. Oil on Canvas. So, there was a program called Oil on Canvas I saw when I was in prison, which featured you and Patrick Hughes. Patrick Hughes was obviously talking about perspective. And yours was composition. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I just sort of took out a chance, wrote to the TV company to send a letter on to use, and you and Patrick both replied. I mean, I know I've said this before. I was it was at a point when I decided I wanted a or at least I decided I that there was a possibility that I could. The dream was to get go to university, get a degree, and do something in the arts. But I did think because I've never been in a gallery at that point. The only artists I did know of and had heard of, well, they were middle, very middle class and spoke like poets. It wasn't until I saw you that I thought, well, fucking hell, there's, it is possible for people like me to be in a game like this. You yeah, know? no, well, that's, that's the thing. I think um, that, that programme that you're talking about, Oil on Canvas, I mean, that was made by, that was made was it between the combination between the Arts Council and the BBC made yeah. that. So it was made for BBC Two. But I remember when I had to go, I can't remember what led to me getting that gig, let's say, but I remember that two blokes had to come to my studio one day and they, they got, told me this proposal that they were going to make this six-part series, you know, different aspects of painting. Didn't say, no one was involved at that point yeah. as, far as, I, as far as I didn't know what the score was. 
So then I had to go and meet them up at the National Gallery for about two hours. I had to take them round and talk about paintings. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, and I don't know. I, now, when I look back on it, it was like an audition yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah. So, so I walked round and... Um, I don't know, I took them looking at all these like little Corbet sort of like landscapes. And, and it was just trying to find out what makes you tick. Yeah, or whether I, yeah. Or whether you was actually worthy, not worthy, that sounds a bit fucking pretentious, but yeah, yeah, you know, whether you're up to it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was a bit of both for that, really. Um, Do you know if the other's up to I don't know actually. What if the others who were well, you like you said Patrick Hughes who was John like, Greenwood was one of them, wasn't he? Yeah, but I, I don't I don't know him sort of thing. I mean, um, but I can't remember the others. No, but like I said you said like, I mean Patrick was like a tutor at Goldsmiths when I was there, yeah. but I didn't I didn't know him. So I mean, he, you couldn't miss Patrick. Sort of thing, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but I mean that in a really nice way, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, thing. And um, and. Um, and then, oh yeah, John Virtue. So John Virtue's like, he, he was like quite well known anyway. You know I mean? They're big sort of, you know, landscapes, you know, big black and white landscapes that he does in fields and all that sort of thing. And then there was a geezer called Len Tabner. But I, I, do you know what? I hardly ever watched any of the other programmes. I watched Patrick's one, I think. But there was a geezer, Len Tabner, and he was a, this bloke, apparently, kind of, they used to lash him to sort of boats on That's in the it. North Sea or something. Cool. Yeah. He was alright. So, um, so I doubt very much... Yeah, but I doubt very much that they got John Virtue, uh, who seemed quite a doer bloke, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because when they actually uh, made all the six, they did a they did a screening up in, up, up in town in some little, really nice little cinema, and it was mine and John Virtue's films which were chosen as the ones to mm. launch the, the series. And I met John Virtue, and I, I like it. I like his work as well. But he was he was he weren't he weren't an easy geezer to talk to. I've got everybody come around and chin me now. Me, I think he's down in Devon or something. So, but that was that was a good a good thing to do because they were like pushing you. You know what I mean? Yeah, sort yeah. of like to do something that was like. You know, because they were going on about my letterbox-shaped paintings, and I'd never called them that. Mm. I'd, they were just panoramics yeah. to me. And then they were going, oh, what's the biggest one you've ever done? And I said, I don't know. I did one that was sort of, say, two foot high by sort of eight foot wide or something like that. And they went, oh, have you ever thought about doing something even bigger? And then me being a mug, I'm like like a dog with a bone sort of thing. I'm, I'm going, yeah, I could do something that'd be like three foot high, but about 21 foot, no, it wasn't that long, but I was, and about 14 foot long. Yeah. yeah, yeah, go on, do that then, like that. And then, so it's like, must be like, I'm, I don't know, I, now I think, I'm thinking of all these stupid things now, like, on come dine with me, when they go, they go to people, what's the, what's the most tricky thing you've ever cooked? I don't know, like that. It's like, well, why don't you cook it on the telly, sort of thing? Make yourself look like a rat mug, you know. So, All right, then. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's the hardest thing you ever cooked? Oh, well, scallops. Well, Where can you buy porcupine? Yeah, yeah. So that was the kind of... Well, I'm talking about getting stupid, but it's, it's the kind of, like, artistic equivalent of that in a weird way, you know. But it was it was good, and it was good because I suppose, you know what I mean, it ended up that we ended up meeting. Because yeah. I remember you... I got I got your letter from the Nick, and it was um, it was to it said to Ray Richardson somewhere in Brighton or something like that. Well, I've written that. Well, no, but that's yeah, that's what it had, had on it or something like that. Because I think I may have done it to the to either BBC Two or at the end when it said produced by some 
you know, film. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever it is. That's where I would have got the address from. Yeah. Because I, I, I did put, just put but, it in. No, but it ended up... Expecting never to see it again. But it, no, but it ended up... It, I think it ended up going to my gallery, Bose Art sort of thing, and then... I think they saw that it had sort of HMP, whatever on it. <laughs> <laughs> and they shit a brick. And then it was like, from when that one is, yeah, way. Yeah. Like, Get rid of that as soon yeah, as possible. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I don't know. I've gone off the point now. I don't know what we're <coughs> all about. I don't know. I don't know what I asked. Yeah, no. We were just talking about me uh, come to getting in touch with you. Mm. I, don't, I don't remember the first time I met you. Yeah, I uh, no, I, I know when it was. It was I. Um, it was when um, I got invited into UEL to give a. Of course give, it was. Yeah, yeah. Of course it fucking was. You so the, talk there yeah, yeah, got you yeah, yeah. So I come in to. I was giving a. So you go, you go, you get invited in to give a give a talk or something at uh, an art school for a day, and then you give a talk in the morning generally, and you do like. A, well, in those in those days, it was a slideshow. So yeah, it was, yeah, upside down, back to front, and all that in the carousel, and uh, and then in the and then people sign up who like the cut of your jib to have a tutorial in the afternoon, and uh, so anyway, I was just about to do the talk, and then Mark Hampson, who invited me in, said to me, "Did you you wrote to a bloke in the in the Nick called uh, Gary Mansfield, didn't you?" And I went, yeah, that's right, yeah. And he goes, I goes, why is that? And he goes, oh, he's here. <laughs> and then he pointed you out, and I thought, and I fucking looked. I thought, well, with, fuck. the, with the arrowed suit on, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. with the garden, yeah, the one doing doing mailbags, yeah. And, um, so, uh, yeah, and then so I, I, we had, we had a tutorial in the afternoon, sort of thing, and then. Uh, and, I, and without, like I've said this to you before, without blowing smoke up your arse, you were the best fucking oh, student yeah, arse. Cheers. No, honestly, because I did about eight tutorials that afternoon and you you were the fucking most on it one sort of thing. Well, I think, I've said a few times, that's, that was probably a lot to do with it, just because I, I was so well read at the time. Yeah, you know? well, I think, I think what it was going back to is about the thing about that, oh, Blimey, you heard somebody who sounded a bit like you, sort of thing. I mm. think that's the same thing. I think it was like when I went to Goldsmiths, and uh, I think the whole experience of going to art school with me, because I, I probably I did it the other way round to you. I went straight from secondary school, went straight into St Martin's, thinking it was all going to be like party. Well, it probably was party. Yeah, but I was like, you know, what I mean, I was I was coming up from South East London, and I was fucking off back to South East London every yeah. night. I yeah. weren't hanging about up in Soho or nothing like that because I was still living at home because I was only like seventeen when I first started to yeah. St Martin's. So yeah, but there was this kind of element there for me of these. There were these really super confident uh, kind of people who were maybe just slightly a little bit older than me, maybe nineteen or mm. something like that. 20 but you know what I mean they like and they maybe had a little bit of money behind them as well you know and um, and so I remember the first day I was at St Martin's and we had to kind of sit around with our tutor and go like uh, oh, you know right we've all got to present yourself and sort of say who you are and kind of what would you we weren't done in that kind of it was done in a bit more of an art school yeah, kind yeah, of way yeah. but you know <clears> what I mean but then so I'm like shitting bricks sort of thing thinking, oh, I don't can do this, you know what I mean? And then this some geezer in a tweed jacket with like rips on the elbows and like big pair of fucking brogues, like a pair of kippers on his feet and floppy hair like Brideshead revisited. And he leaps up and he walks around and still starts going 
I'm something double, double barrel, double barrel, you know what I mean? And uh, and then the tutor goes, oh, part of the Yorkshire set or something like that. And he goes, no, the Norfolk set. And I'm thinking, oh, fucking God, God help me, you know what I mean? And yeah, so I, I, had, I, I had all that. So, and then it, there was a, there, there ended up, actually, there was a lad who came from the elephant sort of thing who, who was there. Mm. So I kind of tried to pal up with him. But he actually wanted to be part of that sort yeah. of thing. And I was like thinking, oh, 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 man, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. And so like so I was um really at St Martin's, I just kind of uh, I just cracked on with it. And then but then it, uh, maybe that was a good thing for me because I had this sort of thing where I just thought I don't know what I thought about fuck all really, I've got to be honest, but I just sort of thought, I'm having a go at this. Yeah, yeah. And uh and I, I actually thought, uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a living out of this. Yeah. It won't. I think that is a fucking working class attitude to have, sort of thing. I you mean, know I know mean? there's a lot of working class artists about. I mean, now there's a hell of a lot more. Yeah. But even going back to like when when you're talking about in the mid eighties. Yeah. They were starting to sort of come about then, but growing up in Woolwich. No. I mean, when was your first interest in art? I, I didn't, I, to be honest with you... I, was it just always there? I, I, do you know what? I, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about artists when I was a kid at all. I mean, you know what I mean? All I, all I did was I was good at drawing and that was about it. And, uh, you know, my dad had come home from the pub. He'd do some really pony drawing of someone that he saw in the pub, like a bloke with a roll-up and a pint on the bar and a flat cap or something. And then I'd look at that and then I'd draw it and I'd do it better than him yeah, sort of thing yeah. and then suddenly I started drawing the milkman and, or you know what I mean like the clippies on the buses mm. and stuff like that and uh, so I suddenly assembled this massive stack of drawings on and I think my mum my mum was like cleaning offices in cleaning people's posh people's houses in the morning and then offices in the evening and then she'd chore some paper for me <laughs> so, that, so that I'd have loads of paper to yeah. draw on and um, and what was your dad's interest of, of drawing not, why, why would he draw I really don't know I've never asked him I've got to be honest I, I really don't know I mean he, he was never into art I presume no nah, I mean he, he wouldn't he wouldn't have known anything about art at all he he had a brother who was interested who's still alive who was interested in art I mean, my awareness of artists really didn't come some more so when I was at sort of secondary school, really, and then uh, and then it become. I think it was it was apparent when I was at primary school. It's not like saying, "Oh, he's the best in the yeah, 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 he's the yeah, best yeah, yeah. in the school," but it, you know what I mean. If you're going to go, anyone was the best in the school. Even at secondary school, it was like when I was in the. The first year, there was like the six formers would be in the art room, and then we'd be having to do really f- fucking shit things with this. Uh, yeah, and this we had this re- the first art teacher we had was like looked like a fucking sea walrus out of Doctor Who or something. He used to wear a cassock, and uh, and yeah, and he was more interested that we put the paints back away afterwards in the right order, and there was a chart on the wall. All that, <coughs> uh, because I was like that thing, I was the the working class kid who went to grammar school sort of thing, yeah. you know what I mean? It was the last of the state sort of grammar schools and it was like a grammar school for kids from all around South East London. So there were kids from Kennington, Abbey Wood, Thamesmead, yeah. all over, do you know what I mean? Going to this school up next to Greenwich Park. So it was like, it was fucking great. That was really, really good. 
But it was really weird. It was then when when it stopped becoming a grammar school, it still had that kind of ethos about it. But then it started. You started getting kind of like quite funky art teachers coming in, mm. who were like, kind of going. Well, I mean, it was my art teacher Howard Thomas, who was he was absolutely superb. Um, who's this uh, Welsh guy from Swansea, uh, Welsh like gay bloke who he I don't think he thought that we didn't realise he was gay, but we all thought he was all right. You know what I mean? He was like, you know what I mean? This is going back like. Sort of, sort of mid to late seventies or something yeah. like that, and there was a few of us who were, there was a few that were quite good sort of in uh, my year, and uh, all he did was just channel channel us like just gave us materials yeah, to work yeah, on and yeah. just and he didn't kind of go right this is the way to do it this is you know oh, you've done that wrong this is that it was just like encouragement just give you a bit of direction, yeah, yeah yeah and then so I suppose he started I guess I could give him some credit for being a person who sort of suddenly started coming to me. Oh, have you you ever thought about looking at Modigliani? <laughs> or something, you know what I mean? And then, and so, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, what, who's that? Is it, yeah, what's, yeah. What's, he, what's he on with the two Ronnies? <laughs> or something, you know, and, um, so, but, I, but I'm being a bit kind of facetious, but when I was about 14, I don't know why, I just used to go up town with my mates in the summer holidays, and I just remember when the, the road round Trafalgar Square used to go all the way round yeah, the roundabout, yeah. and I remember us jumping off at Charing Cross... And then me and my mate Dean just going, oh, should we go in the National Gallery? And we was on the, you know, what would have been a big fucking roundabout, really, yeah. in the middle of the yeah. roundabout, which is Trafalgar Square. And I remember us, like, fucking taking our lives in our hands, yeah, fucking belting across, a, belting across the road. And then we got in there, and it was like a fucking old new world. Like, yeah. you know, suddenly, there's Van Gogh and all this, and, now, and I'm like, what? And then, you know, and there's Rembrandt's, and, and you just, like... And it, that's what made me really laugh because my, I think I've said my dad's uncle who was into, into, said he was into art, who'd bang on about Rembrandt and go, he'd talk about my work and he'd go, yeah, but you're not like him because what, what Rembrandt does, they, they just look like photos. They're unbelievable. They look just like photos. And then that was it. I went, went in there at about the age of 14 and saw a Rembrandt and saw all this impasto paint and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. and thought... I don't look like photos no. at all. All he's ever done, he's, he's seen, seen him in a him book, book yeah. and he's never been to the National Gallery in his life, you know what I mean? And uh, he's never got out of fucking Bexley Heath, you know what I mean? So, um, with a bit of prompting from the art teacher at secondary school and some self-awareness, really, mm. that I suddenly started becoming... And so what was you looking at at that time when you was, when you was just getting into it, like... I don't, inspiration. I don't know. I mean, I've got to be. I was looking at like impressionism and stuff yeah. like that. You know, um, when I was at school, yeah, I mean, talking at second secondary school, I don't know. I, I mean, I was looking at Manet and stuff like that because I liked the way that it, I, you know, there's the one of the uh, the, the firing yeah, squad. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, what I mean, you're, you're a boy and you, I don't know, yeah. you know, what I mean, they, I mean, again, I'd only seen that in a reproduction in a book, but I liked the way that it was kind of simplified down into mm. tone and kind of blocks and stuff like that. And um, and then I guess the real opener, which is I'm sure you're going to have a million people say this, is, is that I won a prize for being the best at art, when, <laughs> you know what I mean, in about the fourth or fifth year at school. And the prize was like a five pound book to- token, and then uh, it was at the end of the year they gave out prizes, and it was a big evening, and uh, mine was up. Uh, I'd won it for art, so I went and bought a 
went up the town again and I, I can't even remember the bookshop I went into and I, and I, ended up, I ended up buying a book on pop art and then that just blew me away just yeah. a book on pop art and then suddenly you like see Roy Lichtenstein and stuff like that and uh, but then it was it was literally when I turned to the page with Peter Blake's self-portrait with the Elvis stuff yeah, and all that yeah, and all the yeah. badges and I've told Peter this mm. when I, like before that's that was the moment when I thought well if um, you can make you can make paintings like this yeah. you know what I mean about you don't have to be like Rembrandt yeah there's like pe- there's people yeah but exactly that's it they don't have to be like Rembrandt it's like this whole new world sort of thing and then I think I remember coming home from school one one afternoon and uh my dad was asleep because he used to go to work really early in the mornings and so he'd come home and he'd, then he'd, he'd want his dinner about four o'clock so he'd get ready to be down the pub <laughs> by about six. But, so I'd come home from school and dad was a kid and the telly was on and it had it'd gone on to something that he wouldn't have fucking watched. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't even, it was probably like BBC Two or something like that. And uh, and it was uh, and it was this geezer in, in a studio, right? I'm like watching it and then um, I'm in my school uniform and I'm, I don't know, 14, 15 and uh, this geezer's got big fucking canvases on the floor and uh, he's fucking... Chuck, you know, yeah, yeah. whooshing paint across them, and, <clears throat> and then he's talking really enthusiastically, and he like he's quite. I liked him, he, and he's he was really like. I mean, I'm using words like engaging. I wouldn't have used words yeah. like engaging like then, but but I was, I was really really pulled me in, and then it, it turned out it was Bert Irving. I mean, and then again that that was that was another thing where I sort of thought. You know, it didn't seem snobby yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. He seemed like an ordinary, an ordinary bloke, and um, he was showing you different ways of doing. Yeah, things. yeah, and I, and it, but yeah, and and then I was like, but it was exciting. What he was doing was it really, it was really exciting. So I'd sort of seen the combination of like Peter Blake in the pop yeah. art book, you know, and then this TV program with Bert Irving, or it was Albert on the, yeah, the yeah. but. And I think that was the things that really made me think, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, a bit like you, you know I mean? You just sort of think, well, this, this, it's kind of attainable sort of thing. And yeah. I think you're right with the going back to the thing that there's more working class people maybe doing stuff now. And I think that's a good thing. But I, what I'm afraid of is the way things are going is it's going to get fucking harder for working class people to do it um, because it's just going to become, there was some centre-right think tank group come on the on the fucking radio the other day he was going we want to make it so that it's you know people really have to think about whether they want to do a creative degree they've really got to think about it with you know do they want to be ladled with all this debt which is <laughs> yeah that, fair enough <laughs> but, but then what's, what's it doing is it, it, it is taking it back to the fucking yeah. brides every revisited yeah, days yeah. where only the privileged can fucking afford it yeah. sort of thing so but you know what I mean but I suppose in a certain way, I mean, I, I suppose there's bigger um, platforms now to show work. It's yeah. not like the old days, and I guess people are much more proactive, younger people, I, get, I don't know, you know what I mean? Uh, that If they couldn't go to art schools, then they're going to do stuff. But I think the really, the really, I don't know about you, but the really funny thing for me was, I remember at art school sometimes getting the right arsehole with it, really just like fucking the language yeah. and, and yeah. you know... The weird thing is, is that I think it's really an essential part of being, yeah. being because it's not like they go, you go in there and they, they go, you go, well, you're going to teach us how to 
do hands today yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know what I mean? It's it's not about that at all. It's about a way of like thinking about things. And I think that for me, it's took it's taken me years to actually process all that stuff from art school. You know what I mean? To kind of like go, fuck me, that's yeah. what they meant. 30 yeah, years yeah. ago and I'm only getting it now and I'm fucking 50 odd sort of thing you know what yeah, I mean? maybe it's at the time you was just because of your working class thing and I, I'm, you know, I can only speak for myself yeah. here, I've got quite a chip on my shoulder anyway yeah, yeah. that whenever I'm in with people who are who can speak well mm. you sort of you, you just go in thinking they're pompous and, and likewise they probably just think we're quite common you know yeah, yeah. we forget that we have got this fucking middle ground mm. You were saying about you was being uh, um, going to the National Gallery when you was fourteen or fifteen. Yeah. When was it you realised you wanted to be an artist? It was about that age. It was the, yeah, it was yeah. Then. No, because I, I've I've said this before because I was actually I was actually at Spurs. I was I was playing football at Spurs. I kind of I've been scouted by them, and I, I can't remember how long I was there for. I was there for a couple of years or something like that, and uh, I was having to go up after school once or twice a week from South London all the way up the White Hart Lane. And as much as I loved playing football, it was weird. I kind of knew, even when I was going there, there were lads who were like, they were really good, you know what I mean? Mm. And it was like, and I knew I was a good player, but that, that weren't any excuse. But I, th- I knew that I didn't really, that weren't really what I wanted to do. And so I guess it was about the time, I, well, I spent about three months shitting bricks of like thinking, I've got to tell me dad I don't want to go to yeah, Spurs yeah. anymore thinking that he'd get the right ump with me sort of thing because uh, the whole fucking extended family were talking about yeah Rose 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 at Tottenham yeah, yeah so all my fucking so I'd be playing football Sundays and all these fucking uncles I hadn't seen for years would be turning up to see me play to see how fucking good yeah, I was or yeah. not and so I spent about three months deliberating whether I was going to do it so anyway I come home one Thursday night from up White Hart Lane and I remember I was walking around my nan's with my dad because my nan was the only one who had a phone. <laughs> and I had to go around with me 10 pence to ring me manager of my Sunday team to find out where we were playing on the Sunday. So my dad had to walk around with me because it was a dark night. <laughs> As we were walking around, I was walking around behind him and I knew that he just wanted to fucking... Oh, fuck, right. I, knew, I knew how my dad worked. He wanted to get out and get out the pub yeah. sort of thing. As we were walking, I just thought I've got to say something. And I went, oh, so he, he, he made it easy by just going to me. I said, like, how'd you get on that, that, that training up Spurs tonight like that? And I went... Did he know? Maybe he did, I don't know, because I sort of said to him, I really didn't like the geezer who took training, who actually went on to become, well, well, he is... He, but the, if the manager, Keith Birkinshaw, who was the okay. manager, he was the manager. If he took the fucking sessions, it was superb. It was really, really brilliant. But the geezer, I'm not going to name him, sort of thing. But uh, but he but he did end up managing sort of uh, a couple of teams, sort of thing. He'd taken the training. I didn't like him, and he was that kind of he was proper old school, snidey, fucking horrible. And uh, anyway, so I've just gone to my dad. Actually, dad, I don't want to do it anymore like that. And then thinking he was just going to go, you fucking yeah, what yeah, like yeah. that. And he went, that's all right, like that. And I was like. Can't believe it. In the head, I'm thinking I can't believe it. So anyway, like that, yeah. Clip here, so right? so I think that that almost and I remember I remember the bins that we were walking past. You know, like you had those council bins yeah, for yeah, people yeah, on yeah, the estate, yeah. sort of at my nan, nan and granddad's flat. And then uh, I think in that moment, really, if I really want to be. 
pinpoint it. That could be the moment when I thought, oh, you're free. Yeah, you, can, yeah, you, yeah, can, yeah. you know what I mean? And then, I, and then and that was it. And then, I don't know, like I say, I had this mate, Dean, who, I don't know, I don't know, we had ideas above us. And it was, well, Dean was actually at Tottenham with me <laughs> as well. Well, yeah, and I've, I've told this story before, but it ended up, yeah, that I got into St. Martin's and he'd applied as well. And I remember the worst thing was I went into school. Oh, I got, well, the letter that my dad opened, because my dad's name's Ray, so he fucking opened the letter saying that... <laughs> he thought he'd got into yeah, university. Yeah, <laughs> saying, I, you know, you've been accepted to St. Martin's <laughs> School of Art. And so I went into school, like cock-a-fucking-hoop, yeah. walked in and I went to, went to Dean. I goes, oh, did you get your letter? Like, I goes, oh, I got in like that. And he fucking oh. looked at me and I went, oh, you... Can't yeah. like that sort of thing, and uh, but fair play to him. He he really he he didn't get in, but he fucking hammered away for another year working on his own portfolio. And at this time, I think he was at Arsenal, and uh, he ended up getting into St Martin's, and he ended up becoming a fashion designer. So uh, so so is he still that now? Yeah, he, he's been in New York for about thirty oh, years. Um, yeah, 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 he ended up being the head head of menswear for DKNY. So. He did all right, you know what I mean. So, um, so yeah, t- yeah, it was that. It was that kind of fourteen years old. I just thought that's it. That's this is what I want to do. But I had no sort of sense really of what it was all about. Yeah. So when you was when you started college, mm. what was you painting then? What was your thing then? I was, that's that's when I was doing a lot of self portraits and stuff like that, really, and uh, like paintings of my brother. Yes, I remember like doing paintings of my brother and trying to do them in the style of like uh, early Picasso, you know, that like before the blue period yeah. and all that. So they were quite, I don't know, there's a really, there's a really nice one of a bloke, I can't remember the name of it, Pete, Ped, Pedro Maniac or something like that. So again, it kind of very simplified sort of forms as I put it now, but I didn't, yeah. I thought, oh, that looks really good. But they were quite direct, sort of, you know, quite direct yeah, painting. Yeah. And then I'd, and then I'd be like, yeah, so I'd paint my brother, and then I'd maybe have a guard painting a couple of mates and stuff like that. So it was kind of that sort of stuff, really. And I presume at that time you was just doing stuff to try and see what you can get out of it. Yeah, yeah, to see yeah. What direction you didn't yeah. really know what direction you was going down. No, not at all. No, no. When did the style you do now? When did that start to surface? Because the earliest works I've seen of, that I've actually seen of yours mm. are the ones that used to be in the um, Atlantis, and, mm. and they were quite big, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, when when would that have been? Would that have been like that was early nineties or something? That was uh, yeah, that was after yeah after Goldsmith. That's very much the style that you got now. It's, it's quite different. Uh, when I first saw your work, there was a couple of other artists who I was putting you in the same group as. One would have been. Chris Golan. Yeah, I know, yeah. Um, and Pete Howson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was quite... They weren't similar, but you could you mm. knew that they would all sit well together. Yeah, yeah. Um, when could you see this the style you've got now? When, when can you trace that back to? Uh, I think appearing? that... I think that... Um, yeah, because, I mean, I, was, I remember when I was first out of college, I remember I got put in a group show in Holland Park. Was it? I think it was at the Orangery, I don't know. And uh, I remember I was in there and I was in with Ken Curry was in it yeah, as well. Yeah. But I weren't really even aware of all that sort of Glasgow boy yeah, sort yeah. of scene or anything. And I guess I, I became more aware of it. 
but then I sort of I didn't make a conscious decision I didn't really see myself as part of it really because I'm not from Glasgow yeah. for a start yeah. I don't know where I don't know where I've got to now it's like an ev- evolutionary mm. kind of thing but I think it's something that just has come out of I think it's come more and more out of me it's sort of about my world but it's my world in my head a bit yeah, so I mean, essentially, it's kind of comes out of loads of things. It comes out, of, I, I've, you know, I've said this before. So if anyone's heard it, I'm sorry if I'm fucking boring, you silly sort of thing. But it comes out of a fucking world of like fucking everything. You know what I mean? It's. It, I think when you're an artist, sometimes you just fucking soak it all up. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And then and you, it changes, doesn't it? Yeah. Your, your approach changes. Yeah. Your influences change, and then ultimately that comes out in your work, and that's why your work changes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think uh, you know it, it is. It comes from like fucking anything. I don't know. I, I've said this. It's like I remember like reading the book of Get Carter, right? So reading the book of Get Carter is called it's, it's called Jack's Return Home. Uh, which some bloke who bought my work uh, sent me a really early edition of it sort of thing um, and uh, so I'm laying in bed with my missus and, uh, and I'm sort of like just nodding off and then I get to this bit and then there's a line that sort of said you know Carter walked in and the place was a bit too juicily carpeted it was one of them sort of places <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm just like laughing me head off and I'm thinking I was supposed to be going to sleep here but then I had to get out of bed and write down juicily carpeted it was yeah, one of them sort yeah. of places and so you kind of absorb all that kind of shit in and you don't don't even use it for years and years and there's little fucking drawings you did 20 years ago and I've got sketchbooks up on there that have got fucking full of little probably gems and full of yeah, shit yeah. and nonsense and stuff like that and then over time, you start kind of, I don't know, you start reading different books to you were reading when you were like yeah. 15 or 16. And then, you, you know, and then you start watching different kinds of films and, you know. You just evolve, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, you know, and I don't know, you know, going back right to your beginning thing. So all these kind of narratives spin out in my head, you know, influenced by what's going on around us and going on in the world. But they, essentially, they come from me yeah. sort of thing. And so you end up with the fucking nonsense that I paint and then I sort of think, what am I doing, sort yeah. of thing, you know. But then I look at them and then, I don't know, like I said, to, I think I said to you, you know what I mean, I'd, I've been in the studio last couple of nights till ten, half nines, ten o'clock sort of thing to me fucking eyes are fucking feeling yeah. like they're yeah. falling out of my head. And then going home thinking, what what the fucking hell have I done here? All those fucking hours you put in, was any of that worth it? And then I come in this morning like fucking half eight this morning and I was like fuck me that, that weren't too bad actually yeah, yeah. and I'm up against the deadline as you know sort of thing as well but I've just kind of got to think right keep keep a fucking lid on it yeah. and keep a bit calm and I think that that again kind of goes back to the thing of like yeah things evolve and I think that that is how your temperament evolves as an artist as well where you have to have that kind of sort of a, a kind of I don't want to sound like a wanker, but if that, that kind of that kind of maturity in the way you approach making your work yeah. as well, because you have to start thinking, yeah, it's not working. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not working. Don't fucking go diving in to try and find the answer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Something. Yeah, the answer will come out, or you'll <clears> just fuck it, or bin that. Don't not bin that painting, but just fucking leave that painting. I mean, that reminds me of a phrase that you use quite a lot, mm. and you do sometimes. Well, that you say sometimes and you go does the world really need another artwork 
Yeah. Or another painting. Yeah, yeah. No. And, it, and, and you're right, you know, there's, there's fucking thousands of artists out there mm. churning out hundreds of pieces a year. Mm. Where, do, where does it all go? But there's always a, a demand for it and, and you're never going to stop making it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's weird because it's... Yeah, there's a thing about demand, but then there's a thing about... Um, pardon me. Ginger beers. Greek and Avoc. That's not rhyming, Slane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now... Um, the panoramic letterbox shape. When did that? When did you first start using that? Well, that, that started at art school. But it, it, we went to see Goodfellas at the cinema, mm. me, me and my girlfriend at the time. And, uh, and I remember we... We we were watching it in the cinema, and then there's that scene. It's 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 famous because it's an unedited shot. Mm. So there's a shot. I think it starts off in the street, and then it kind of goes like they go. It's like Ray Liotta and the the woman he ends yeah. up marrying, and then they end up going down through the kitchens and all downstairs, and then from you know and then, and you know and the camera's just kind of spinning round, yeah. and yeah, then yeah. they come out, and then they come out into the bar area, and then there's a bloke walking with a table above his head, and then he's carrying the table to the front so that he sits him right at the front of the stage. And I remember sitting in the cinema and I was thinking, why, yeah, why can't you make paintings like that sort yeah. of thing? Which anyone who's listening might go, you fucking must. That's what you make films, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. But but I... Loads I, of little paintings yeah, next to each other. But, um, but, but I guess that, that that was, you know, like I say, I've been making them on a, you know, making panoramic paintings, but that's when it really hit home, like, Fuck me! I can take this. Get a bit of light, it's yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can't. I'm not going to p- pinpoint a moment or anything. Cropping at the time, when, or say cropping when mm. you, you know, you're well known for leaving a little bit of something else just on the edge of the screen or just off of off canvas. Yeah. Well, I guess again that I mean, see, that's that's what I'm saying to you. You know, that's where that's where. You have to just take everything that comes at you as, yeah. as, a, as an influence, or you yeah. just soak this stuff up, and then suddenly it all comes out. I mean, because it goes right back to I was never know how to pronounce it, sort of, it's it Dugar or Degar, sort of thing, but uh, you go right back to like him with his paintings of ballerinas, and they're all cropped, and that was influenced by, uh, yeah. like, you know, that kind of era's, you know, photography. You know, it was the first time that people started looking at photography like that, and, and, and I, I know actually. I, I really do know when when I was at Goldsmiths, I used to spend a lot of time in the library looking at books because like we never like, we never had a fucking art book at home mm. or anything like that. And so, so you used to have this fucking immense library, and it was just like I was like a kid in a sweet shop, you know what I mean? And uh, I remember going in there and suddenly discovering these photographers I'd never heard of, like um, William Klein and uh, Walker Evans and Robert Frank and stuff like that. Yeah. And suddenly it's this kind of like street photography from like, you know, an era that I was quite into, sort of like late 50s, all through the 60s and going into the 70s and stuff like that. And then, some, yeah, there was like photos of, you know, and then I start reading about like, um, you know, I can't remember, it was like Norman Mailer or something wrote about Robert Frank and he said, oh, William Klein's like a, a he's a pugilist for photographer and... Uh, it's like he's, he's a boxer, basically, in the street, sort of, um, you know, and it, so you just had these kind of photographs with people, like, blurring out off of the edges, and I, and so I just started thinking, well, that's the way we see the world, you know what yeah. I mean? You know, when I'm on a, when you're on a bus, 
you look, you know, you might see someone nice looking or whatever, and you, but you don't quite catch it, yeah, and you're like, yeah, oh yeah. fuck, <laughs> and then uh, so I just started thinking, well, that, start painting like this. We don't see things, you know, and not everything's really nicely composed, and uh, there's not a woman sitting there with a fucking cat on her lap, sort of thing, you know. If if I'm painting images that are out on the street or whatever, or we're in a boxing gym or something like that, then then uh, what the fuck's he doing? He thinks he's Superman, doesn't he? <laughs> um, then, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna miss it. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. I've got to get that one as well. Hold up. What the fuck is he doing? The fucking great stuff. <laughs> He's looking over, just going. Right. Yeah, look, just sit down. <laughs> so, so yeah, no. So going back to that, yeah, it's, it's just basically. I was thinking, yeah, that's the way you see the world. It's just little clips, and it is like, and, and I know this has been said a dozen mm. times, but it is as if your painting is a little, one of the little frames out of a film. Yeah, yeah. You know, where someone's just coming in, like, you had the, a well-known one where you've just got a hand coming in, yeah. holding a light. Yeah, up. yeah. And I don't know if I've said this to you before, I was on my way down to Greenwich one time, yeah. in, the, in the traffic, outside, near that crown pump. Yeah. And this woman just walked past, pushing a pram, and she was on the phone. And she went... Yeah, and then he wanted his fucking 50 quid out of me. And I did think to myself then, that was like an audio version of, of Ray Richardson. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. a little fucking flash. <laughs> what artwork do you hold most dear? Or that meant quite a lot to you? Fucking hell, that's hard. I don't know. Um, I mean, is there any that was like a little turning point? Like you were saying there about watching that film. Yeah. Is there any that you've done and went, ah, oh, that's given me a new tangent or... I don't know, really. Uh, I think that, yeah, there, there's one called Rockets and Moonshots, which was when I had a studio in Chicago, and then uh, my brother came to visit me, and I don't know why, him and his missus 
they went to a thrift store, which is like a you know yeah. Oxfam shop or something. I don't know. And uh, he ended up buying me a fucking sort of Stetson, and I, I, was, <laughs> I was a bit slimmer back then, and I had me big burns, and we were walking around. When, and, you, could, when you could wear a Stetson, yeah, with yeah, a better style. Yeah, exactly, yeah, not looking like I was going to fucking go and have half a pound of ribs or something, I don't know, or half a ton of ribs. But yeah, but but when I had my studio in Chicago, uh, it was in quite a, it was a sort of bit downbeat sort of area, and we ended up palling up with all the people on the streets and stuff like that we used to sleep on the newspaper vending machines at night and stuff like that and we'd buy them some food and stuff like that and you end up talking to them and then there's one geezer who he used to tune cars and then he got deaf in one ear and then he so he lost his job and then he lost his missus i mean this is what he told us but you see so you got yeah, you, you got you got to fucking take yeah. people you got to have some human nature sort of stuff yeah. going on Anyway, I ended up making a painting and it was this kind of road that was like a big crossroads, like about five fucking different ways. And I ended up doing my painting, my brother walking fucking in the middle of it all in the fucking Stetson. And then in this really like, the shirt I made up, but he had a kind of pastel coloured Stars and Stripes shirt Mm. on. So it was almost like... Hey, let's turn the stars and straight into <laughs> to leisure wear, sort of thing. You know what I mean? In the land of fucking milk and honey and everything, which it kind of is or it isn't, depending on where you stand. But um, so I suppose my that was my experience of being in Chicago there, and then and I, I suppose I hadn't even really thought about that. My brother walking and all this fucking cars going all around yeah, him and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And then the, the geezer, DC, that I'm talking about, who used to tune motors, he's got all his belongings, and he's behind me brother, but he's got his belongings in black bags. I didn't realise you knew the person who was... Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, yeah, the night that I left Chicago, I remember my first wife, she came out with my boys for the last two weeks that I was there, because I was out there for a fucking couple of, two, three months or something like that. So it was really pony, really rough where I was staying, and it was supposed to be all right for them to come and stay, but I ended up having to put them in a hotel downtown because it was no good with the kids because yeah. it was fucking cockroaches and everything. Yeah. And one morning I fucking saw a cockroach, put a bucket over it, and then I, when I got, didn't, you know, weren't too scared two days later, I lifted up the bucket and there was no fucking cockroach there. <laughs> so I thought, my kids ain't staying here. So anyway, the last night though, we were there, we decided, right, we'll stay there because it was right next to the uh, the L train which goes out to the O'Hare mm-hmm. Airport in Chicago. And uh, so I said, right, we'll just fucking stay. We'll stay in the, the studio apartment. Yeah. It, was, it was fucking rank. It was horrible. And I think we had a couple of drinks just so that we could knock ourselves out and get some kick. And the boys were just tired anyway. And I remember when I woke us all up and we come out onto the street and... DC was on the fucking vending machines sort of thing so that he weren't on the on the ground yeah. you know what I mean and then he went I'm not going to do his accent sort of thing you know what I mean uh, he's going to go and he, he just went he goes like yeah oh, Ray where are you going like that sort of thing and I said oh, we're, we're going back mate like that and then he's going oh good luck brother and all this sort of thing you know and then I went over and had to do some funny handshake <laughs> yeah and um and then as we were walking across the road, my, my ex-missus went to me, you know that bloke? And I went, yeah. I said, I've been talking to him the whole time I've been here. I've been, and, and she was like really shocked sort of thing. So, because I think, I remember there was a thing in Modern Painters 
about around about the turn of the fucking century, which I which I think is only last week, but it's nearly twenty years ago. It is, it is. And uh, and I remember I got asked by the you know the editor of Modern Painters to contribute one of my pieces that actually so it's, it's true. It's kind of what was the your key piece that you made, and I actually chose that piece, and then you had to choose another piece that you felt had really influenced you. And I actually chose a photographer, which was Robert Frank, yeah. uh, who's like Swiss, but he he got a scholarship or something to go to America, and he travelled all around America in the fifties with his wife and his little kid, and they just went round in a fucking motor, and he just t- and he just snapped all around, you know, Nowheresville, USA, yeah. sort of thing. So that kind of thing's always appealed to me, sort of thing. I guess that's a kind of bit of a weird romantic thing going on in my head sort of thing which I always have a pop at but, but it's, I mean that the subjects you're saying there that, that could well have been Woolwich couldn't it mm, yeah you yeah know, the, same, the same environment yeah you do you go out every now and then you said that you go out the can be doing a bit of yeah um, painting with who was it was it Dave no no it's a guy called Nick Richards who's an, who's an etcher so he's disciplined oh, of course from the sorry, yeah from the yeah thing. yeah so he's a really good person I like going out because he's we get on like really well, but we're really different. You know what That's I mean? What I was going to say, where'd you go for inspiration? I don't. I was. I was sort of yeah. like wondering whether that. Yeah. Was... Well, that, that, that's the kind of thing because I think people sometimes they get a bit fucking shocked when I go. They go to me. Some some woman the other day in the because uh, we got a print studio. Our studios here, Thameside Print Studios. <laughs> I'll plug it. <laughs> she was going. She was going. Oh yeah, we've got like a little drawing room. She said mentioned a couple of people, and I knew couple of the people in a, in a little draw, uh, drawing room and then I went to her I said oh that's really brilliant and she was going yeah it's like she goes it's really important because otherwise I wouldn't go out and, and draw at all sort of thing and I said oh I goes well you know me and Nick and she knows Nick and I goes me and Nick go out drawing and she was like saw this fucking she couldn't <laughs> believe it because like me and Nick are very different in character but we actually get on really, really well. So I me so we I don't know, we're like this kind of slightly odd couple to go driving off down to fucking Canvey and there's probably a police helicopter. Why did you choose Canvey to go to? Do you know what I know why why it is? Is it's because I'm very lucky still in Woolwich that there's things on the river that I actually wanna wanna record, you know what I mean? But I think I know that give it another fucking ten years and it's all gonna be fucking gone. Do you know what I mean? It's all you can see it in, in the time I've been at this studio for eight years now, and on the other side of the water, you can see how it's just fucking creeping down. Yeah. Every, you know, what I mean, all of a sudden there's another old fucking factory gone, and then suddenly there's like, I think the thing is of going to places. I mean, we don't just go to Canberra. We go down to um, we're going on like this side of the like Thames Estuary. We go down to the Isle of Grain. Yeah. Which is that, but that's that's lovely. Because, but what's really interesting about stuff like that is that from this side on the Kent the Kent side, the hills have eyes side. <laughs> the uh, you, when you go down onto the when you go down on like grain, it's actually RSPB land. Yeah. So it's like I mean, and Nick knows all this because he's I think he likes doing a bit of kind of that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, and there's there's it's really good because there's. If the weather's so bad, if we go down in the winter, they've got the hides for like the twitchers. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you can sit in there and you can draw in there and it can yeah. be pissing down with rain and you've got your flask. Which is ideal because it's a letterbox shape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, but then 
what I like about that as well, especially down there on the Isle of Grain, you go down there and it's all like where Dickens wrote great yeah, expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we end up, you can sit like, you know, they've got benches in the graveyard of the church that's in, in the story. And, you know, like I say, we'd like a couple of old geezers, we've got our flasks of coffee and me with my portrait sandwiches. And you, you just feel like, Fuck me! This is where Dickens yeah, kind yeah. of—it was all the inspiration. The of yeah, else, yeah, yeah. And then, but then you go walking in the fucking. And, but in the summer, when you when it's, it's, you can walk on the marshy bits, you don't need the Wellingtons and all that. Then you start feeling a little bit fucking spooked. You know what I mean? You think, you, and then you sort of like see two geezers pulling up in a fucking pickup, and you're thinking, "Fuck me! Do we go, <laughs> do we go down that track?" You know what I mean? So, I guess that there's some of that that feeds. Especially for me, that kind of stuff feeds into my work, yeah. into the, into the kind of uh, the, the narratives in my head, sort of thing. Yeah, what? Why? Why is it a fucking pickup down this fucking track? Yeah. In, in, but then that's not your work, and you have to, you have to imagine what's around the corner, what's beyond the frame. Of the yeah, frame. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I've got, like, I've got a stack of like little drawings that I've made down there, and some of them are like just little line drawings, and then. Because it's probably nothing devious, like no, in your, no, your artwork. No, no. We're talking about South East London. We're talking about the filmic attitude. It's never any anything villainous no. in your artwork. No, but no, it's, you it's think like, it could be. Yeah, it's, it's just around it's, the, it's, it's always around but, the but, corner, isn't it? But it, as I saw something on the telly the other night, and it was about why are people so interested in stuff like that. And that is, it's, it's about kind of curiosity, yeah. isn't it? And kind of... outside your own... Yeah, your do you know what life. I mean? So it's kind of... Um, but within that, within making work like that, you are kind of putting stories in... That, well, I don't know. Well, as you know, because you feature in one of the paintings, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, is, is a kind of... You know, both is a kind of a bit, a bit about Brexit and yeah, all that sort yeah. of stuff. So... Um, that level of interpretation that people want to take the work on if they want to just kind of... But I know some people look at my work and they go, oh, yeah, it's all about geezers and dogs. Well, fuck them if that's what they think, you know what I mean? That's, yeah, I can see that. It's yeah, not, but I can yeah, see why they say Yeah, yeah, but... but that's a lot of blokes and a lot of dogs, but yeah, yeah. it's not. But, um, but then, you know, but then there's other stuff going on and sometimes people have got to read the titles and then go, yeah. oh, right, hold up. But that's the I mean? first layer, isn't it? Yeah, then, yeah. Then your mind makes the rest of the layers. Yeah. Is that like what you're saying about the Isle of Grain? When I was sitting for that book, has that got a title? Uh, it might be it might be nowhere on sea actually. Nice. <laughs> when I was sitting for that, just over there looking on this wall, that's when you had that. Um, it's, it's one of the Thames in that building, which is off the Isle of Grain. Mm. When I think back about sitting for that painting, I was that was my focal point was just staring at that little <laughs> tiny. All right. What's that? It's only like six by two, and it was something yeah, like that. Oh no! It was, oh, oh no! It wasn't this one, was it? Oh, no. I've got this little one I did at the, you know, the jetty down at Canvas. Yeah, no, that, no, that's yeah. right. Now that's yeah. what I say. That is one of my favourite. It wasn't that, but oh, that's right. one of my favourite artworks that you've done. Yeah, oh, and I didn't is. know, I didn't know where it was yeah. when I first saw it. I thought it was somewhere off the no, river no, down no, here. So no, that, that's the jetty that they built down at um, uh, Canvey because when they thought it was going to be the super massive big. Oil refinery yeah, thing, yeah. and it do you know do you know it? And it comes in the land. All oh, right, so it goes right out into the Thames Estuary. It's fucking really long. You come off of it on the. I'm talking like you can't people can't see it, but but you come off of it at the end that comes on the land, and there's fucking nothing there. Yeah, and you can't get up on it, sort of thing. So I liked that image as an idea of something of like 
like something of like dreams or something like that, but they're actually dreams that have kind of going fucking nowhere yeah, and they yeah. they're not actually starting anywhere. But it's like there, it's there forever, and who's going to fucking pull it down? And it's just a kind of constant reminder of like ambition and failure and all that so sort no, of thing. Peers, or a lot of peers were just for people to walk down and get on the boats. So yeah, no. But this is like this was a really fucking long one, and that was the thing they thought they were going to do. There was going to, all these big super plans, and they never come off, sort of thing. So that's that's one of my favourite, and that, that's pretty recent. It was only in the last two years, wasn't it? Yeah, something now, like that. No, the one I want about is the one where you've got the building in the middle on uh, Isle of Grain. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that was a dear little one, like just about. That oh stage. yeah, that's Grain Tower. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what I was just focusing on because you had a few of them here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just had open studios. At yeah, the I think so. Yeah. And those all displayed on that. Yeah, there. see, because that one, that one of Grain Tower. See that that's all about you know that was built as a warning post for like in the Napoleonic Wars or something like that so that when if if the French were going to be coming up the Thames and they could warn London from there or whatever mm. that the French were coming so I actually painted that as a it was like I suppose it was at the beginning of when all the Brexit stuff started and it was almost like that kind of idea of like we don't want fucking nobody here yeah, sort of yeah. attitude sort of thing and it and it's still standing there like hundreds of years later sort of thing well that painting that we've talked about that I sat for mm. I mean that, that was a funny little term because it wasn't going to be anything like that at all no, was it, it, to start it, off with no it was going to be like a, a kind of homage to Otto Dix um, which it kind of still is yeah. you know what I mean but it ended up turning into something else well, the, 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 the poser because it was was it a baker or a butcher or something it was someone in a bar wasn't I, it I don't know you just needed a bloke with a I just more wanted... refined frame <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you wanted a bigger kind of guy to be yeah. sitting there with his hands on his hips and I fitted the uh, I've got hips <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a bigger guy so that that fit the bill but even while we was chatting we was talking about your big artwork weren't we the the, the great bigging you done when you're standing now. With oh yeah, with Bray, yeah. yeah. Dockyards. Mm. We were talking about that being on the docks. We were talking about Brexit at the time, up the river without a pad, all that sort of thing. Yeah. And then it just, just then you went, oh, I've got it, I've got it. And then that's when it changed. And I had the, that top one that's featured in a, in another artwork <laughs> that I sort of can't wear anywhere arty anymore. It's uh, just like a blue top with Admiral written across the front, and and it has finished up with a large bloke in a boat with no oars. With Admiral, as if he's like you know, harping back to an old age. Well, I think I think that's a problem for me personally. I mean, because I know because I think that was the funniest thing. Because when you know when when I was when I was doing it, and then uh, I, I don't know, I don't know how much you'd say really. No, no, but, but no, but no, that ain't, that ain't me. No, it no, is, um, no, it, yeah. No, but it was just like, you know, it's just that kind of thing in it of like, you, you just, uh, I don't know, it just seemed to fit the bill with someone stuck in a boat, stuck on fucking dry land and then thinking, right, okay, so we've, we've got our country back, in inverted commas. Now what? Where are we going to fucking go now with our fucking boat? Because yeah. you, 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 we've got it up on the fucking edge of the cliff, you know what I mean? Uh, that's just my personal opinion, but, uh, and it just fitted so well that you... <laughs> You came down in that uh, tracksuit top, that very nice tracksuit top, uh, that had Admiral on it, because it just fucking, was just, it, it's just one of those things. And it, ironically, it, on, across the back shoulders, it, across it, the shoulders at the back, it says England yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and it is a, a retro 
top from the seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that all kind of uh, that's the kind of oney, oney, funny quirks of fate that yeah. sort of happens. You know what I mean? So. When, <laughs> when you had your last show down at Bo's Arts, and I turned up and I was wearing that. <laughs> when I walked in, you went, "Oh, there's a painting you around the corner." Yeah, I didn't know you'd done, and I was wearing that. So, yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Oh, fucking hell!" Yeah. I mean, one, I think it might be the guy you were talking about. He went. Do you wear that type of luck? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I went, no, no, it was just coincidence. And Ben Oakley was stood there and he went, yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> As if, yeah, just sort of like the fucking one, yeah. But yeah, so, so you're saying about Otto Dix, um, other influences. If you was putting on a show and you could like, hang your work next to anyone else, what other five artists would you like to hang your work against? Um... Or if you was putting on a show, what five artworks would you well, that's, get to show? That's really, really difficult because it's like yeah, it's so, so many. It is, as I've said to a few people, it is that one of if you could have five artists around a, for a dinner party, yeah. who, who would you have? I don't know. Um, well, I mean, I was, I don't know. I was lucky enough that I was in a show that got curated of like British figurative painting a couple of years ago. You know what I mean, and then that was that was like one of those funny things where I thought, fucking, it was ideal for this question. Yeah, yeah, where I thought kind of fucking made it here a little yeah. bit, son, sort of thing. Because it was I, was, I went up to the opening at the Sainsbury's Centre. Well, that was called Reality. Reality, right? yeah. So I went up to the uh, Sainsbury Centre for. And before you just play it down a little bit, yeah. it was it was meant to be. Was it the sixty of the most influential painters? I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty sure I, 60 of the most uh, influential painters and you was among them. Right, yeah, all right, if you say so. I don't know. Um, all right, I'll take it then, yeah. yeah so well, anyway, that's what it was. No, so anyway, I went up on the on the Friday for the opening and it's fucking, it's stunning, you know what I mean? It's like, um, it looks like, it's like in a, being in a Peter Doig painting. Yeah. Because, so you've got these like Norman Foster building in amongst all these trees and it's like, it's, Fucking really, really nice. I'd never been up there before. Went to the opening and some you're in this big thing. There's fucking hundreds of people there, and uh, and um, you know, speeches being made and glasses being chinked and all that. And then they sort of I don't know. Then the the private view was open or whatever. But the galleries were actually downstairs, so you you, you kind of everyone filed really carefully towards this massive big fucking spiral staircase that went down to the lower galleries so I'm just like trying to take me time because I don't know you know what I mean I know who's in the show sort of thing and then I kind of start coming down this spiral staircase and then as I get to the bottom right in front of me I sort of there's a fucking Francis Bacon and I come that off the stair, step and then turn to the left and there's a fucking Lucian Freud and then I turn left again and then there's one of mine and I thought and I did have that fucking ears on the yeah. back of my neck sticking up sort of thing. And I thought, fuck me, this ain't too bad from, yeah. for coming from fucking Woolwich. I didn't curate that show, do you know what I mean? I was, I was, it weren't like it was an open submission yeah, thing, but, no. but, um, but, but. you're allowed to pat yourself on the fucking yeah. every now and then. And, and, no, and like, I don't like doing that. No, no, like no, off, but, no, but then, but then, you know, you walked around it and then there was like, but there was some, you know, there was like George Shaw was in it, you know, who's, I like his work yeah. sort of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, and, uh, so no, so it was yeah, and it, yeah. Suddenly you're kind of like you, you know, there's a Frank Auerbach and all this sort of stuff, and then you think, 
well, that's kind of what I suppose that's what I fit into that kind of British painting thing, mm. sort of thing. So, so on a personal level, if I was choosing, I don't know, it's really, really hard because I don't want to kind of say something and then I leave someone out and then they get the right arsehole. I mean, I know it being funny, mm. a place like that wouldn't put you amongst any people if they just thought it was a, a painting of a bloke and a dog, would they? Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't matter what anyone says. Yeah, yeah. So I think maybe if I, uh, yeah, if I'd, I'd just happy to say that I was happy to be in that show sort of thing. Amongst so, your five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then, there, you know. You'd let everyone else take a pick out of the yeah. 59 yeah, others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next to you. Yeah, no, because the same on the, the other split of the coin was that when it went to the Walker Art Gallery in Liverpool, which was another fucking, that was because... You know, up in up at the Sainsbury Centre, there's like say a Norman Foster building, really lovely, really modern sort of thing. And then when I remember getting off the train at Liverpool, and you got like it's quite grand when you get mm. off the fucking train. I don't even ever been up there to watch football before, and then get chased out of town yeah. after. So I didn't really have time to look about. But you kind of got off, and then there's like this like massive big fucking buildings, and then I looked to the right, and I didn't even know where the Walker Art Gallery was, and then I asked someone, and they just it's over there like that, and uh, and then I went and asked the Welsh fella. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but no, but then you kind of like I was walking towards it, and it had a massive fucking banner for the show, and then I'm thinking this is like the fucking National Gallery, you know what I mean? And then went in there, and then you're suddenly seeing your work in that kind of with the same artists, the same exhibition, but it, suddenly it's in this kind of really grand old museum, sort yeah. of. So I guess, um, yeah, that is, that is like, um, that is a place where I felt, well, I didn't choose it, but I felt like I was in pretty good company, yeah. sort of thing. And then and then you sort of did, did I did feel like, fuck me, have I, have I made it? Is, yeah. is, it, is, it all gonna, is it all going fucking downhill now? <laughs> a bit like looking at your sort of your achievements and, and that sort of thing and, and the things that you've done. A little thing for me as, as a mate, when I felt the most proud is when you got the artist in residence at Eton. <laughs> and I know that's a fuck, it's a, it's a nothing. It's a, it's a real nothing, uh, not nothing arty, but from my perspective, it was just like the elite bringing in a bit of us to learn off of us. Mm. And, and I felt so fucking proud for that, and when, when was it? Was that six years ago? Two thousand twelve. Like yeah, yeah, so seven. Yeah, but, but October, I think it'd be seven. So, no, I mean that was that was good. It was really good. I did. I mean, I had people, mates that I knew were going. Oh, when you, they knew that I'd got it, and they were going go down there and fucking yeah, yeah, put a yeah, you know, yeah. give them this and give them that, and you think, give them what? You know what I mean? It's, so I went down there. And you got to go. I I took the approach. You got to go there with a really fucking open mind. I didn't know. Yeah. If, I know that fucking what what the place stands for and all that, and uh, and I just sort of had the thing of like, well, if you can get in there and maybe stick a fucking needle in someone that just fucking makes them think a little bit, you know, in a sort of in the, in the future, yeah, 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 exactly, on a different level, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, and sort of, and I, and I know that it's had that effect already because yeah, because there's one lad who ended up coming out there and he's he's making films now and he came and did a little three minute. I haven't seen it yet. It might be, I don't. <laughs> but he he came and did like a little. I mean, fucking three days of filming to do some three minute short. But this is like years later, and he's gone out and he's, I don't know, he's had a job and all that. I don't know. And then, uh, but he's making films now. And then you know what I mean. And you sort of think, whoa, fuck me, that's 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 a that's a really yeah, good thing. Yeah. 
yeah, it was a, it was it was it was a it was a really it was a really good thing to do, and um, you know, I ended up like playing football down there and everything, you know, and um, the, I think the one of the best things was was that I think that it was really early on. It was like about three days in, they just they gave me they turned over a big classroom as my studio. They just said, come down, just get on with what you want to get on with, and maybe after a few days, we'll bring some pupils in, as I was calling them. You can show them what you're up, been up to, and all that. So anyway, the first three days, the head of art, who actually he comes from a working class background, which kind of probably probably helped a bit. He um, he said, "I'm oh, gonna they're gonna bring some lads in the next day, sort of about three o'clock. Is that all right?" I went, "Yeah." So they brought these lads in. They all stood to attention, and there was like loads of chairs. I went, "Why don't you all sit down like that?" And I had all my sketchbooks out and all like reference stuff and. And then I just sort of thought, no, I'm saying anything. So I just started talking for about 20 minutes. And then they started all looking through the sketchbooks and stuff like that. And then they said, oh, has anyone got any questions for for Sir? And I went, no, just call me Ray, like that. One kid who stood out because he was the only, he was mixed race lad in amongst a load of white lads. It was about 15 of them. He put his hand up and then he spoke, but then he had a really Northern accent. And he went, um, oh, can you tell me, because I like to work in a coloured pencil in my sketchbook sort of thing. So he goes, oh, why why do you use a coloured pencil in your sketchbook? Which I thought was a really good question. So I said, oh, because... You can, I was going to ask that. Yeah, no, it's, I said, oh, you know, you can, I don't know, you can you get a really nice, you can get like tonal effects and you can get a hard line and a soft line or whatever. And uh, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden they all started... Asking questions, he broke. He broke. So he broke the ice. This kid, right? Then it was all really good, and then they kind of gave me a round of applause, which was fucking weird. And then they all filed off, and I carried on with me work, sort of thing. <laughs> and then the the kid, but this mixed race lad said, "Oh, can I come and talk to you tomorrow like that?" And I said, "Yeah, all right, like that." And uh, he goes, "I've got to do my athletics training, so it'd be about three o'clock like that." So I said, "Yeah, all right, whatever." So next day, three o'clock, he knocks on the door, comes in. And it turns out that he's from working class background from Preston, and he's there on a scholarship at, at sixth form because he's a good, he's a really good yes, sprinter yeah. and he's good at art. So that's what he was there for. So he, he turned out to be a really nice kid, and he was so ambitious what he wanted to do and stuff like that. And I was like trying to rein him in, but without trying to take the wind out of his sails. Yeah trying to tell him to be a bit more realistic, not not like, you need to do this yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it was really nice, it was really good, and then, I don't know, they have half-term, but they don't call it half-term, they call it something like Midsummer Murders. Anyway, he went off for the half-term, and then he'd come back, and he'd, he'd, come, back, he'd come back, and he'd, he'd uh, bought some coloured pencils and sketchbooks and showed me these drawings nice. he'd done. And I said, I hope you had a laugh while you was back home up in Preston. He goes, oh, no, I went out with my mates and all that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. And I was going, oh, brilliant, like that. And he really cracked on this lad. Anyway, when it comes to right, go fast forward, right to the end, and uh, they had like an open day for all the parents coming in. You know, it's not like an open day with fucking, like, schools we went to, you know what I mean? It's fucking silly money sort of yeah. thing. And... Uh, Anyway, but people were coming in and they were nice. A lot of the parents were really nice. I got them really good, 
like really, oh, my son sort of said they've really enjoyed you being here and you, what you've said to really and you know blah blah blah. All of a sudden, this this white woman comes in with this little mixed race girl, and she comes in. And she goes, "Oh, well, I'm not, not I'm not going to do a fucking accent." <laughs> uh, but she had a northern accent anyway, and uh, she went, "Oh, are you Ray like that?" And I went, "Yeah." And then I won't say the boy's name because if he ever is, I don't want to embarrass him, but. I'll just call him John for the art's sake. She goes, oh, yeah, because she goes, oh, I'm John's mum, and this is his little sister. And I went, oh, lovely to meet you like that. I was going, fucking hell. I didn't say fucking hell to her, but in my head, I'm saying, I was going, you come all the way down to Preston, from Preston for this. And she's going, yeah, yeah, you know, we're so proud of him. And, you know, that he's Brilliant. he's come out of state school and he got wiped into here and all his fees and got paid and all that and this and that like that listening to your accent like that she goes I, I didn't expect you to speak like that and then she kind of got her daughter's hand and she goes to, she looks at me and she goes I'm not being sent any way sentimental where she goes she goes it's so good that people like us are here like that and I thought that that was really really yeah, fucking yeah. brilliant sort of thing so yeah so I won't have it not doing it so no one's knocked it anyway no, sort of thing you know what I mean but I it was fucking beautiful yeah yeah so. I, mean, I, just, I didn't just like it because it was someone from here going mm. up it was just it just showed that that it was about the art wasn't it mm. you know it, it sort of breaks boundaries yeah things, yeah you know? so I guess that goes back to that thing of what the, what's the world need another picture for because it yeah I mean if it fucking I don't know you know what I mean don't want to make a big thing of it but yeah if it breaks across boundaries and it's a good thing isn't it you said one of them's gone into film you had a, a short film made by Nina mm. called Outside, Outside of the water. Tell us a bit about that. How that come about? Well, I met Nina in Brussels when I had a show out there, and she's like, I don't know, it was one of them. It's like she was sort of saying that she needed to make a film for a end of finishing film school, and would I be interested in being the subject of it? And I sort of started thinking. So I goes, Yeah, yeah, you know, you just sort of, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in that. But I started getting all these like uh, funny ideas of like because because uh, I like I really like sort of like Marvin Gaye and like Marvin Gaye sort of spent six months in Ostend when he when he was really in a bad way when he was really caned on drugs and everything he went basically some white Flemish Belgian geezer oiked him out of LA settled him in in Ostend and six months he cleaned up he got yeah and he fucking ran he sort of did boxing training and then he fucking got all inspired again musically so I had these kind of fucking ideas of myself walking around in fucking some long long leather coat like Marvin Gaye you know what I mean oh brilliant just gonna make some fucking I'm gonna be cruising around fucking looking out to sea you know what I mean like I'm really clever sort of thing and uh and then, uh, anyway, it transpired that she, I don't know how she swung it, but it was the first ever film that had been made at a film school where they they made it outside of Belgium, sort of thing, um, and uh, funded it, sort of thing. And so, yeah, so she came to London with a crew, little crew of about four of them, for like eight days, which was like fucking really hard work. Eight days of just intense work. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, more work for them because then, you know what I mean? But it was just uh, to make this documentary that's about 20 minutes long. And it's just kind of, um, yeah, it's 
filming me in the studio and me around where I kind of grew up in Woolwich and stuff like that. I don't want to sort of give to, but they do so much filming to make 20 minutes. I mean, there's so much footage of stuff of like me with a load of mates and going to football and watching the football. I was surprised that that didn't turn. Yeah. They they always make a big thing about going to Charlton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like such a massive thing. Yeah, we had to get so much permission to go and film at a match and like a load of pals came to it and uh, and none of the footage got used. But it didn't, I understand why, because it didn't, you know, there there has to be, you know, in a documentary, there's a kind of, got to be a narrative running through that. And then I think that, well, it's obviously influenced the other bits that are in there. It's like, you know, when you make one of your paintings, all of your thoughts don't come out in that it, painting. No, exactly. It all goes into it. Yeah, yeah. It actually comes... No, no. It may not all come out. Yeah. So, um, so I, I I think she's made... I think she's made a really accomplished film for, like... I mean, she's 24, 25, 24, I think. Yeah, so it's... It's, um, it's her first proper film, isn't it? Well, she's she, she, no, she's made, she's made other films on, like, some... Uh, like this, this old guy, this Belgian conceptual artist called Lehman or something, Boris Lehman. But yeah, I think this is the first one where that she's actually, it's gone out there into the fucking proper, into the world sort of thing. And it's like, it's, 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 yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's one like the awards in, I don't know, like LA and Oslo. Yeah, New York and Oslo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Oslo near New and, Yeah. No, but um, no, it's, it's, a, it's a good film. I mean, you know, I mean, like, like I said to you, somebody said to me recently, oh, so you've become a filmmaker now. And I went, no, I've just, I'm just starring in them. I see well, you're it. an actor. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen your little, your little cast there, actor written underneath it. Actor written in French, that is, as well. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, it's, it's a nice it's a nice film sort of thing. And, and as you know, Carrie, you feature in it uh, okay. because... Uh, fat face. It's a little It's coming out. It's being shown at your studios. Yep. Which is Thameside Studios in Woolwich. Yeah. On yeah, it's going to be so. It's a uh, Wednesday there. Yeah, it's going to be show, So it's going to be shown on uh, Wednesday, six of March, and I think it's from six p.m. and it's. Free if you want. To, anyone wants to come. Bring your own no, I think I think there's I think there's there is actually free pop being served. Yeah, so that's uh, there. Are, there will be a, a, some kind of link if you did want to go, but I don't know it at the moment to RSVP. When this, when this comes out, that can yeah, yeah, I can give you the details of that. This is going to come out on the Monday the fourth. Yeah, a couple of days before. Yeah, any links and that can go on there. Yeah. And then, yeah, also then there's uh, an exhibition, which is kind of not really to coincide with the film being shown at the studios, but it just did coincide time-wise in the end, which is at the gallery in Brussels, which is called uh, ZEDES, which is Z-E-D-E-S Art Gallery, which is in uh, Excel in Brussels. So that's start, that's opening on the 21st of March, and it runs until April the 27th. And it was going to be called Outside of the Water, but I just sort of thought everyone's going to be getting so fucking sick, sick of Outside of the Water. So I thought, uh, it was really weird because I was out and I heard London Calling, which I know is like, it's, that's the fucking anthem. It is yeah, the anthem. Yeah. But it's just that bit of when Joe Strummer goes, and, and I live by the river. And so that's the title of the show, isn't it? I live by the river in, nice. in Brussels, which seemed really apt and it fits in with the film. 
Um, and I do sort of live by the river. I grew, that's where I grew up, by the river. And in uh, the river sort of does, even if you don't see it, it does inform sort of something. It's I don't know. a lot more in your work in yeah. the last few years, hasn't it? I've noticed Yeah. That. And, and not just your bit of it. You have yeah. been sort of, even though we're talking about Canby. Yeah. You know, you, you've been going up and down the river. It's, it's been coming out a bit yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I only just thought of that as, as we're talking. No, nah, but I think I think the thing is, is that um, I think the, the, that's the funny thing because when I split up with my first wife, I went and stayed in Paris for about four months. I was really fortunate. I got offered, well, it wasn't fortunate at all. I didn't want to fucking split up. I didn't <laughs> want to be away from my kids. Or nothing, you know what I mean? But I had the opportunity to go to Paris from this uh, collector. She offered me like a, a studio and, a, and an apartment and just to go out there and fucking paint me way, you know what I mean? Out of my fucking yeah. blues for a bit. But while I was there, I actually did sort of paint my way out of it. The stereotypical broken artist. Yeah, not quite. Not quite, yeah, but I didn't get in touch with anyone. My gallery that I was showing with was still open at the time because they've retired now. I didn't even tell them that I was there. I could have gone, probably gone round and had a really nice dinner every other night of the week. But but while I was there, I did a lot of walking about, you know what I mean? You know, Paris is so, it just seems smaller than London. You know, you can actually Mm. really walk everywhere, you know, but you do end up walking a lot by the Seine and the Seine's beautiful and, and all the buildings are really amazing. But then I knew it anyway, but you just sort of think, well, it's not tidal. You, that, you know what I mean? And that's the thing about the Thames is that it's, it's tidal. So mm. there's a kind of sense of there's a life to it. Yeah, Whereas yeah. The, the Seine just sits is there. It? Yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it is a fucking beautiful city and, you know, but it's, an, it's a fucking hard city. Mm. Yeah, Paris is really beautiful. Kind of well, in that well, it, it's it's just inside that ring road, the periphery. That is Paris. Outside of it, you kind of walk underneath that ring road, the periphery. That's not Paris anymore. Yeah. It's only twenty foot away. Yeah. It's oh no, this is cliche or whatever you know. But with London, London's fucking sprawls, and, you, and you're not quite sure where it's it ends. Out, yeah. yeah, you know. But at the core of it is the Thames that's sort of, it's like a fucking, the heart mm. of it sort of thing. It's like, you know what I mean? Even, even though it's not used in the way that it used to be used sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it has got a beautiful past. It's but, a working yeah. past. But it's also, when you look at it, it is the fucking future as well. Yeah, because yeah. all along that Thames corridor, yeah, everything that was there, the old warehouses and ports and all that, they're all just being turned into flats. It's infusing a new... Life, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not one that yeah. I like too much, but yeah, me neither. But it's at the same time, it's it's better than it just fucking. I mean, I, 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 I'm a, you know how I feel. I, I feel a bit like, yeah, it's, it's building flats for people who actually don't come from here, yeah. you know. And I'm not that's not being exclusive or anything like that, but it's it's like. Well, why couldn't they fucking do this years ago, sort of thing, for the people yeah. who live around here in yeah. shitty. You know, there's some shitty fucking council estates and it's like, all of a sudden, oh, we're ready to fucking chuck money at it now, yeah. but you lot can all fuck off, you well, know what I mean? Yeah, uh, invited to an arty thing in Barking mm. um, and along the river there, they've built a new, is- well, what I call it an estate, they mm. call it an estate, <laughs> but there's a, a new bunch called? of building, I can't even remember, it's, I think it's called the Riverside <laughs> Estate. No, it's the, <laughs> <laughs> the Riverside. And we went down there and had this 
they're just like little, I'd call it a maquette of, of, of the, you know, the, the, the estates going on there. And a photographer, Jimmy Lee, who, who had work on in what was a sort of gallery alongside it. The, the woman there was telling us all about these buildings and how they're made and, you know, mm. what the, and I said, oh, how many of them are for social housing? And she went, oh, none. And she's trying to sort of sell them to me, but that's, that's just, it's changing, isn't it? And yeah, yeah. We've got to change with it or end up being fucking bitter and twisted, left behind. What would you do if you weren't an artist? Uh, what would you like to do? Uh, uh, well, that's, that's a different question, isn't it? Uh, it yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think the thing was, if I, if I go way back in time through the time, time <laughs> if I, if I probably hadn't, a, I don't know, I was like quite fucking dogged. That's always a thing. I mean, I don't believe in any of this fucking cobbler's lights, but I'm a Scorpio and, that, and that we are fucking, <laughs> we are the fucking really hard bastards who never fucking forget. Um, and, but we just fucking really boom, we just go for it a bit. And I am like that. And it's funny you should take because Nina DeGrava, who made the film, she's she was born, she's obviously miles young, she was born the day before me, her birthday's the day before mine. And honestly, you see her working, fucking driven, really driven in a nice way though, you know what I mean? And that's what I like to think about me, you know what I mean? Sort of, I know when to switch off sometimes, but like last few days, I fucking ain't switched yeah, off at all, yeah. sort of thing. But um, I suppose... I always had that thing in it in me when I was young. I just thought, I'm going to fucking do this. This That's it. I'm, I, and then it's got to the stage now where it's so far down the fucking line, I can't do I can't do anything <laughs> else. Um, but if I'd gone back into time, if I hadn't have fucking, for argument's sake, if I hadn't have carried, continued doing this and not been fortunate enough to make a living doing it, I think I'd have just gone back to doing a holstery with the old man. Yeah. Because I actually fucking, I actually didn't mind. I, I think I said, you know, I, I used to do it. I used to go. Well, when I'd left home eventually, and Dad was all right about me going to art school because I'd fucking left home <laughs> sort of thing. Um, I used to go. I worked with him in the mornings, you know, really fucking early, like half five, six o'clock, then go to art school later on, like half eleven, twelve o'clock. Yeah, I'd have just gone. I'd have gone back to doing up Old Street. There was a fucking. There was a right. I had some right fucking laughs. He used to do pubs up, so you used to see these fucking worlds that were just fucking yeah, hilarious. Yeah. Like, or like me and my brother would have to go and fit, a, like, have to fit in a fucking working man's club in Belvedere. So we'd have the fucking loot and van crammed up with fucking deep button seating. That's why you get things like deep button seating appear in my paintings because yeah. my old man taught me how yeah. to do all that. So yeah, we'd have like we'd load up the van, me and my brother, fucking driving off to fucking Belvedere, like, um, and then you turn up at fucking some club, and there'd be some geezer like, open the door, some steward sort of thing, steward, <laughs> going, yeah, like kind of going, uh, yeah, like and there'd always be an Irish geezer as well, and he'd be like, so what do you want then, lads? And you go, uh, oh, we we come here with the uh, we've got the furniture, but it, no, but I said that it was me. <laughs> yeah, but Ray's, Ray's back at the workshop, and I'm Ray as well. But we're his sons, and so we're fitting the fitting the seat in. And you go, okay, we'll pack the wagon round the back, lads. And it'd be all like that. And then me and my brother would be like fucking biting our lips, not being able to look at each other. <laughs> to this day, me and my brother go pack the wagon. <laughs> but, uh, but but then but then you just like you'd end up in the fuck. You'd be fitting a pub in in the Caledonian Road at like half four in the morning, yeah. like you know, and then the geezer would be like there'd be some again it'd be big some big Irish governor 
with a big cigar on the go at half four, four o'clock in the morning, and he's got a brandy on the basket, <laughs> and he and he's just standing there watching me laying on the floor, bolting, bolting all this seating together, and then going, oh fuck me, it's wet down here like that, and he goes. Yeah, that's where that dog was pissing last. <laughs> and I knew he was winding me up. It's like someone spilled yeah, a pint. Yeah, but, yeah. And you'd be thinking, oh, I really need this kind of, <laughs> really need this kind of humour. You know what I mean? Like half four in the morning. Yeah, but, but, I, but I, in a really weird way, I think that all that kind of stuff was really formative for me, yeah. personally, because it made me think, well, I guess it made me think, well, I can do that, but I thought, well, if I fucking don't keep on keeping on, then... That's 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 that's, that's, me, yeah. that's what you're going to end up doing. And don't get me wrong, my dad, dad did all right out of it, sort of thing. But yeah, but I I I think I'd have gone more down the. Uh, <laughs> I'd have gone. I'd have probably gone, you know, a bit more down the love joy sort of angle. <laughs> Chesterfield out of back Gary if you got to buy it. Fucking hell that do. Oh cheers. Oh cheers, Gal. <laughs> That's great. Oh thank you. <laughs> oh, oh. oh what a fucking stupid way to finish. <laughs> Was that the funniest ending to a podcast you've ever heard? In the podcast world, that's something they call a little bit of podcast gold. Now, Lovejoy, if you don't know, was a programme in the 1980s that was about a dubious antiques dealer. And it wasn't just a little chuckle in Ray's voice when he mentioned his name. Lovejoy used to wear a neckerchief, and Ray sort of done a little gesture to the right-hand side of his neck, which made me chuckle, in turn made Ray laugh, and before you know it, we were both gasping for air. So I recommend that if you're ever feeling a little bit low, fast forward to that point when Ray starts talking about Lovejoy. Press play, sit back, and let us put a little smile on your boat race. Now at the end of every podcast, I ask each artist to tell the listener where they can see their work. Obviously, me and Ray couldn't breathe at this point, so that wasn't possible. So I'll do it on his behalf. If you want to see more of Ray's work... Go over to his website, which is www.rayrichardson.co.uk. His Facebook page is Ray Richardson, and his Instagram is rayrichardson1. This podcast will be coming out on Monday the 4th of March. On Wednesday the 6th of March, the short film that features Ray, Our Side of the Water, is being shown at the Thameside Studios in Woolwich. I know that you can just turn up, but there are a certain amount of seats available. So the thing to do is contact Ray on any of those platforms we've just mentioned and book yourself a seat. 
I've seen this film several times. I'm not even going to waste my breath telling you how good it is. It's won several different awards all around the world. It speaks for itself. There'll be a Q&A at the end of the film, so you can put any questions you want to Ray and Nina. And if you're lucky, you'll even get to meet Brian. And I hope to see you there. Like I say every week, whichever platform you listen to this podcast on, there should be a section somewhere where you can leave a comment or a review. If you could just take a couple of moments to do that, it really would help me and anyone else searching for an art podcast. And if you want to ask me anything, you can contact me on all social medias at MizogArt, M-I-Z-O-G-A-R-T. My own work can be viewed on www.garymansfield.co.uk and my face value exhibition that's opening at Jealous on April the 18th is just starting to take motion. That is always a very exciting exhibition with lots of excellent artists. So go and take a look on www.facevaluekpf.com KPF stands for Katie Piper Foundation. So if I don't see you this coming Wednesday at the Thameside Studios for Ray's film, Outside of the Water, I'll see you here next week when I'm speaking to Ben Oakley. Thanks for listening. Ta-da. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.